right. So I just start it because, and we can just. So okay. this is a test. This is a test of the podcast system. That's right. Uh, we're now turn your heads to the side, to the right. Okay. Now talk. Now and see. Uh, how does this sound? Can okay. You hear me? Turn your heads to the left. Okay. Oh, the, right. <laughs> the other right. <laughs> your other right. Yeah. And then look at look up and talk. I say that. Okay. Look at each other and talk. Okay. Well, this is uncomfortable. We <laughs> yeah. won't do a lot of that. <laughs> We're sitting too close together. All right. So let's see that test. Here we go. say in the old days <laughs> good morning dan good morning brad it's early here in colorado it's early but it's spring and i am so happy spring is here well it's another it's another episode and uh i know you've got some things brewing uh in your in your in your thoughts some stories to tell um what's on what's on the plate for the, for today um i'm I'm thinking about maybe tackling something with how I either hear God or think God speaks to me. It's very tricky, uh, Brad, this this kind of how God speaks or how you hear or listen to God. And I, I'm really, uh, it's... I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to talk about, but I I think it comes up in a lot of my stories already. So you know. Well, and I, Dan, I know you too. That you're, you you know, you're not one to use God speak and church speak in your day to day conversations. And and being a good friend of yours, I know that it even annoys you when you hear other people talk that way. So I know this is not, this is something you don't take lightly. Yeah, and, and I'm never taking this lightly. In fact, I've taken this very uh, seriously, probably for most of my life. So I, I <laughs> there's times where I might have overdone it in pushing God to uh, do something that only that I would know is only what God wants. Um, I, ha I have to say though that um, God is free, and God does what God wants, and you can never really put God in a, a box or a can and say, "Well, this is how this is how God works all the time." Because just when you think God will, was working a certain way, He'll surprise you and do. He'll be silent. He won't do anything, or He'll just do something completely different than what you're expecting. And I don't want to presume upon God. I think that's my one of my biggest uh, character. I don't know, issues in my heart is I, I don't want to think that I'm manipulating God to do something or pushing God. So I, it's tricky uh, talking about this, but I, I have several, several stories. I was going to say your, your stories will flesh that out. Yeah, it'll, it'll, exactly. It'll be better to understand once we hear some of the uh, stories that you have to tell and experiences you've been through with that. Yes. Yeah, and, and I have many, many stories, and, and you as listeners, take these for whatever you uh, want to take them for. For me, they're powerful. Many of them are powerful stories of my interactions with the divine. You could call them uh, divine coincidences. That actually puts both sides in there. Some people will think these are just coincidences, and other people will think these, this is God speaking um, but judge for yourselves. And, and these, these are stories that I have, uh, that were moved powerfully moving to me. I, and so I'll share some of those. I want to start out by saying before I will ever 
had any idea about God or Jesus or, or the Bible before. When I was uh, younger, had no contact with any of that stuff other than, as I've explained in the past, my, my father's uh, curse words that often use God's name or Jesus. And, and that's the only contact I had with this, what you might call religious stuff or God stuff. But I do remember this one day when I was four or five years old, and I don't. It sticks in my mind. It's just a strange day for me. Uh, I remember it was a kind of a fall day and, and windy, and I wanted to go out and play, and 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 so I was kind of into being like a cowboy back then, and um, I I wanted to dress up like a cowboy so I got some I got a belt on and then I got I did I wanted like a holster you know for mm. my gun and so I I didn't have one and I thought I saw one of my sister's little purses and I took her purse and I manipulated it so it became like my holster on my side and I was like oh this is perfect thinking you know my little four-year-old five-year-old mind and, uh, and then I got, I think I put on my, I don't know if I had a cowboy hat and I went outside and I, I just felt like I was the part, you know, and I remember standing out in front of our house in, in Denver and the wind was blowing and I felt like I was dressed perfectly for the role of a cowboy, but there was just this weird sense of I'm at peace and this is, this is a, a perfect day for me. And it was weird because at four years old, you don't yeah. even know what a perfect day is. But for me, there was something that I we keep going back to that, like, this is something special. This doesn't happen to me hardly ever. And, and I don't know what it is, but I feel really where I'm supposed to be. And to this day, you, you remember and you identify that moment as some sense of perfection. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had no clue about it. And I, I don't know what God had to do with it, but it was kind of this early sense of there's a difference in sentiment, a difference in feeling, that, but also a qualitative difference in certain moments over other moments. And so uh, as I grew, that developed a little bit more, I think, for me. In the going to the movie, The Greatest Story Ever Told, there was a real sense of that seemed like a, a divine appointment to me. And yet I was pushing back on that so hard, like, oh, no way. This Jesus can't be. This can't be real. This Jesus is nice and healing and powerful. And he's he's a good guy. And I, I at eight years old, I'm like, no, this couldn't be. This couldn't be a real thing because my father just hates this guy. He's always saying, Jesus Christ, Danny, Jesus Christ, this Jesus Christ, that. And so this couldn't be true. And I'm pushing back. But now, I, as I look back, I'm thinking that was very much for me a divine appointment or a coincidence that my father took us to that movie, The Greatest Story Ever Told, which is about the, the ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so that was like an early one. And then I've talked about different stories of, you know, like, the accident story we talked about a few weeks ago where it just seemed like that God wanted me there, even though I had no clue why God wanted me there. I've talked about my motorcycle accident. I've talked about, oh, praying in the forest, whether we should go back to San Diego or stay in Wisconsin and asking God to have Tom sign call on the phone and stuff like that. So I'm going to go through a few of these early stories and just talk about how this has played out for me. Um, when I was had become a Christian and was er, early in those years, sometimes I would teach or preach, uh, not often, but I was always very much concerned that I didn't do my, I didn't want to teach my junk to people. I wanted to teach what, what I felt, what God wanted. And so I really would push God and struggle over like God is, tell me what you want me to say. And I, I, get, I get things in my mind and I wasn't sure. And one time uh, I, I was praying about, because I had to speak to our church, uh, Trinity Presbyterian Church in San Diego. And 
Uh, one time I got this, you know, I was praying about him. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to people. And I got this passage of scripture from one of the prophets. And I can't remember spe the specific passage today, but it was a very harsh kind of prophetic passage and like calling the church to something uh, really hard. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't have enough uh, emotional strength to, to tell people that they should get their act together or get their life together or change their whatever it was. And so I had this passage and I'm praying, I'm like, God, you need to make me believe this is what you want to say be, because I don't want to say it. You know, it's kind of like that's the wrong place for me, God, being in front of people saying hard things like that. I don't want to do it. And so I said, if you want me to, then you 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 do it. You you make you communicate to me that I, in a way that I, I, I'm pretty sure about this. Um, and I think just a caveat here to the side is I rarely, if ever, I don't think I, I ever thought I should ask God to prove who God is or God, prove yourself to me. If you're real, prove it to me. I, most of my divine coincidences are around, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live my life? And so this was one of those. So I had this passage and I planned a sermon around it and I, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I, if God doesn't make this clear to me, I'm not going to go up and say anything. I'll just say something else when I am asked to go up front. So we actually comes to the day of the service and I'm sitting in the pews and I'm like, oh God, you're, you're pushing this to the, the last minute and, and nothing's happening. And then they have a prayer time. They say, let's have a time where people can share whatever they want to share. And I'm like, okay. And this did you know, was something that happened in our church, but some people would share prayer requests. Never do I remember someone actually standing up and sharing anything like a scripture passage that was really hard or a message for the for the church. And so I'm sitting there and there people are sharing. And then this one man in the front a pew, a few rows in front of me, uh, he stands up. And he says, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I have a passage of scripture that God wants to share this morning. And I want to read this out loud. And I'm thinking, okay, let's see what this is. And he opens his Bible and it is the exact passage from the prophets mm. that I felt God was asking me to talk about. And my, and my whole being, I just go, oh no, I have to do this. I got all nervous because he's reading the very passage. And, and this is something that didn't happen in that church. And, and it's also a passage that people just didn't talk about. And so he sits down and I'm like, okay, God, I guess I have to talk about this. And so I got up and I, I preached that sermon. But for me, that was yeah. that was like okay, this is this is this is true. This is I wasn't just relying on my feelings or what I uh, you know whether one leader that I used to be under said used to say, well, you never know if it's the God speaking to you or the pizza from the night before. Well, for me, I would really push it to prove that it wasn't the pizza from the night yeah, before. Yeah. Well, that's the old uh, uh, that's the old. Uh, Dickens Christmas story with Scrooge too. When he heard from the spirit, he what did he say? Something exactly like that. Oh is yeah, a, just the is this a, is this a spirit un... speaking to me, or is it the gravy that I ate just last night? Yeah, a piece of undigested <laughs> beef or something like that. That's right. And so for me, you can decide where these pieces of undigested beef in my stomach. Um, and then there's so that's. Sometimes I would pray about what I was at. I felt God asking me to say, and, and I would push God just to, to make it clear to me that he wanted me to say that. Other times, spiritual moments or God connection could just be weird premonitions. Uh, I remember one when I was uh, in uh, one of the youth leaders, and I think uh, we went to a com uh, this big conference with the youth and they had these big screens up front and they were flashing these pictures and uh, 
they were flashing pictures of rock climbers, you know, scaling these rocks. And there was a guy sitting next to me, one of the youth uh, was sitting next to me. And I knew that uh, my friend Tom was going to take them climbing the next day because Tom was a rock climber. And uh, so I knew he was this this uh, high schooler was going with Tom the next day. And so I, I elbowed him and I said, wow, look at those rock climbers. You're going to be doing that tomorrow. And in the pictures, the rock climbers were wearing helmets. And so I said, you got yourself a helmet. You're going to wear a helmet. To and he says, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know if we're going to wear a helmet. I said, well, you should get a helmet to wear a helmet. And uh, Tom, would, and they would go rock climbing, but they wouldn't necessarily wear helmets back then. They would uh, feel like it was, I guess, necessary. Anyway, it's not nothing of it. We joked about it. The next day, that student goes rock climbing uh, with a group of high schoolers and Tom and they're climbing and they're roped up. And Tom is very, very careful about everything when he takes people climbing. And uh, this kid is, is standing down there below this cliff and somebody or something up above kicks a rock loose. Uh, probably the size of a baseball, softball. Mm-hmm. And that rock comes flying down and that rock hits that kid directly in his head, crushes half of his head. And it becomes this huge ambulances and he's in the hospital and he's in the hospital for months and months and months. And I don't know what to do with that stuff. It's like this weird premonition that we were joking about, but then something actually happens and you go, was that, was that divine? Was that not? So sometimes it's like that where it's not really clear. Is God speaking? Is God saying to this kid, to me, to say to this kid, wear a helmet because you're going to get hit in the head with a rock. And uh, it changed his whole life. Uh, But but he didn't wear a helmet, you know, it wasn't like, oh, and all, everything turned out all sweet and nice. That's not how it works with God speaks to me often. But that's kind of another way that I have experienced this. I want to share one long, uh, a longer story uh, that kind of makes this clear for me as seeking what God wants. Back uh, when I was early. Uh, married. I had two daughters, probably two and four. We were living in San Diego. I was going to San Diego State and I was working as a janitor at the church, Trinity Presbyterian Church. And that's what I made, did for money. And I also went, worked full time. It was, I, was I, I mean, I also went to school full time. And so I was working, going to school. I had to work at night. And uh, I was just about to finish up my classes at San Diego State. Finally, I always tell people I crammed four years of college into eight years because I was such a lazy butt. <laughs> I would just sleep on the lawn at the beginning. Anyway, finally got to the end of that road, and I was wanting to go to seminary because I thought, okay, I had sensed that God was calling me, and that's another story. But I had sensed that God was calling me to. Christian ministry, whatever that was. And I thought, okay, I'll go to seminary, which is where you go to train to be a pastor. And I'll go there and that, that'll be train me for Christian ministry. Anyway, uh, this friend, Tom, who took the kids rock climbing, he was very disciplined and efficient. And he sent to all the Presbyterian seminaries for catalogs, and he knew I was not disciplined and not like that. And he asked for two copies. So he sent for one for me also from all of these college uh, seminaries. And we got them back uh, in that week, in the weeks before this event happened. And we're looking at the, the catalogs and going through them. And we see this catalog for the University of Dubuque Theological Seminary, which is in Dubuque, Iowa kind of in, out in the Midwest in the cornfields. And we both were like, that one looks pretty good. There was one in Austin we were interested in. I also was interested in one in Pittsburgh. What was the, what was the, 
What was the draw to Dubuque, Iowa? Yeah. <laughs> Why? From San Diego. Did you, you know, did you just like the name Dubuque? I may like, have so actually, cool, initially, I might have cool just name. liked it. But I think it was like, I don't know, the the pictures of the Midwest are so green and, and San Diego is often very brown. Because, okay. But I think initially uh, just the pictures drew me. And then as I was reading about the, what they taught and the professors, uh, you know, it was – it was got more interesting to me, and they had professors like Donald Blesch who had written many, many so books. You, yeah, so you'd heard you'd, you'd heard of some of the some of the professors' names were familiar. Not really, actually, um, but I was looking at them and thinking, okay, here's and there's a preaching professor. Uh, it, it was Professor Baird, uh, who whose family, I guess, family had been <coughs> missionaries in South Korea for many for a while. And then this uh, preaching professor at Dubuque was uh, John Baird. And so uh, anyway, he was one of the professors and Donald McKim and other professors. Anyway, I thought this looks interesting. And so did Tom. So he said, let's pray about it. You know, I remember this. He said, let's pray about this possibility. And so I said, okay, let's do that. And so I began praying and saying, God, do you want me to go to Dubuque Seminary? That would be really neat. I don't know. Let me know. I want to know where you want me to be. And I, so at night I went up to the uh, church and I was doing janitor work. And it was probably about, I want to say, about seven or eight o'clock. And this was in the winter. It was dark. And I was vacuuming out the office and taking the trash out. And the thing with the Trinity Presbyterian Church is it's up on a hill. And so you can't see it from down below. But it's also got this parking lot that a lot of people come up there and they park and make out. You know, it's like a make out point (laughs) because you see the lights from neighborhoods and cities. And (coughs) so people are often coming up, they're driving up there and parking. And I keep an eye on it. I don't want, you know, anybody disrupting things. So I'm working and and I'm and I uh, see the lights from a car and I look out the window and this this big old car drives by and I look at the license plates just for the heck of it. And it's like Vermont. Mm. And we're in San Diego. I'm like, Vermont. I'm like, they came a long way to make out. <laughs> anyway, so I go back. It parks uh, a ways away from the, the office. And I am I go back to vacuuming and everything. And then I hear this knock on the door, you know. And I, uh, so I look around and the door opens. I guess I had left it unlocked and the door opens. And this guy, this older guy, older than me at the time, I was probably... Uh, 20 something this older guy peeks his hair head long hair he had a uh, a stocking cap on and he uh peeks in he says hey brother and and anybody starts conversation by hey brother i'm like no way this guy wants something he's homeless or something it's like hey brother how's it going i'm like good this is going good he's like hey i Wonder if I could use your phone, you know? I'm like, well, I guess you could use the phone. You know, I wasn't sure. He looked really uh, straggly. Yeah. And um, and so then he's, he's talking to me a little bit and I'm showing him where the phone is. And he's like, you know, I, I've been driving from, from Vermont and I, I wanna visit this friend who lives in LA. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, why are you coming from San Diego? Because that's not a direct route to L.A. from Vermont. <laughs> you know, you're you're going a weird way. And he's just like, oh, man, I was driving and I was driving down the freeway and I, I looked up and I saw this church. And so I thought I'll go up there and ask him for a phone. And, and I'm like, yeah, great. OK, make your call. And and so he's like this friend who lives in L.A., is like this old retired missionary. He lives in this home for missionaries. And he used to be a missionary in South Korea and 
they lived next door to me way back. Uh, the family lived next door to me and, and, uh, and, and he's picking up the phone and I'm back. And then he goes, and his son, his son. Yeah. His son's a professor at some seminary. Oh yeah. At Dubuque seminary. And he's like, and, and I'm like, I'm perking up. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, his name's Professor Baird. He teaches preaching at Dubuque Seminary. And I just, I almost faint. I almost, I mean, I almost dropped one knee. I, I can't believe there's a guy in my, in the office wanting to use the phone from Vermont talking about <laughs> Professor Baird from Dubuque Seminary of all seminaries. This is one of the smaller Presbyterian schools. And Which is the seminary that you had been The one I was specifically praying, praying about. about, God, do you want me to go there or not? It, it turns out this guy lived next door to Professor Baird. And this was a, the weirdest divine connection, co coincidence for me. <laughs> That I, I'm, and it didn't make me say, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to Dubuque. It made me say, okay, I'm, I'm definitely visiting Dubuque because mm. this is pushing me that direction because this is too weird mm. for me that someone would show up at this out of the way parking lot church on the hill from somewhere way far away. And so that was a real interesting, uh, uh -huh. what I would call a divine moment. I did end up actually going to Dubuque. We visited there. I talked to Professor Barrett. He's like, oh, yeah, neighbor, he's very strange. He's a weird guy. But, he, you know, I said he showed up in my church parking lot. And I don't know. So I came to Dubuque to see what, what's here. And actually, when we visited Dubuque, it was spring but the nothing had bloomed yet it, all the trees were leafless it was dead mm -hmm. and cold and i was like i do not like this place mm -hmm. i said not like the pictures oh i not like the pictures and i said god i don't like this place and and so when i was talking to professor baird you know we're saying yeah i don't know about moving all the way out here he says he says wait a second it's not about the place but it's about what you learn there. That's why you should go. And that really struck me like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm judging this on the wrong, on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Ended up going to Dubuque and it turned out to be a fantastic uh, seminary for me to go. But that was kind of like, how does this happen? Is that a coincidence? Well, maybe it is, but on top of coincidence, why was I looking for that coincidence? Why was I praying for it? You know, mm -hmm. that's even more of a coincidence to me that I was praying in that direction. And then this coincidence mm -hmm. happens or this God thing happens. Good example, Dan. Um, I have other, other stories. Let me share a, a, a couple other stories. Um, and most of these are about when I thought I should say something or preach something at a church and I wasn't sure, or I was nervous about it because I often feel like I'm asked, God wants me to say hard things to churches. And so I, I, and I often don't feel like I have the emotional strength for it. And I think, no, I'm not going to do that unless I'm sure it's what you want, God. So we were living in, in uh, Yucatan one time, Brad, and I shared some stories about Yucatan. Mexico. Yeah. And I was, uh, working, I was working, uh, teaching at the seminary, but I had been asked to preach at this one church. And I wasn't sure. And I thought, so I, I was looking up some passages. And, and I often, you know, people that know me know that I often will preach about money or the prophet's view of money or Jesus' view of money. And for some reason, I felt like, oh, I should go to this church and talk preaching this passage sermon about money, about giving and compassion and, and really calling these people to follow Jesus and with their money, even though they're Mexicans and I'm a, I'm a rich American, this is going to be a, a weird sermon. And so I'm preparing for it and thinking, okay, I think this is what you want, God. And then it turns out that in Mexico back then, this is in the, uh, in the 90s, money, the money was very un unstable as far as its value. And it turns out that one of the presidents of Mexico, I think it was Gortari, Salinas de Gortari, I'm not 
totally sure, but I think it was him, uh, left office. Uh, and it turns out that often back then, a president leaving office would rob the public chest. They would take money with them as they left. They would like steal the country's wealth. And it was a horrible thing. Uh, and and he, I guess he went to Spain and, and from I understood, robbed Mexico. And this caused the peso to devalue to half its value overnight. So one day, let's say it was worth $1. The next day, your money was worth 50 cents. And so this was a very strange thing. I'm getting ready to pray, preach this sermon and all the people I'm preaching to just lost half of their money if they had it. And I'm like, oh God, this doesn't sound like a good idea because not only did they lose half their money, but me operating out of dollars for pesos, I doubled my money overnight. Mm. All my money in dollars doubled overnight. All their money was cut in half. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way, God. I'm, there's no way I'm doing this. I'm not getting up there and being a stupid fool who's doubled his money and saying to those people who lost half their money, you should be more compassionate mm -hmm. and give more. And I'm like, this does not sound like a good servant, God. <laughs> So I said, okay, so I'm not sure about this at all. And so if you want me to preach this sermon, Lord, um, I'm going to ask you to do something that hasn't happened to me. I'm going to ask that you send three people today, three people to my door asking me for to help them financially. This has ne never happened before. You've never done that before. No, in in, in Yucatan, this this never happened in Yucatan. Uh, I I was often helping people, but they never came to my door and knocked on the door and asked. I see. And I said, if there's three people, it doesn't matter if there's one or two or four. It's mm -hmm. I'm not doing the sermon. If there's three people, I'm doing. I will do this sermon. And so I'm like, this is. There's no way this is happening to me. I'm like, okay, I don't have to do this sermon. We call this a fleece, don't we? This is like a fleece. <laughs> and so I'm going through my day. Sure enough, in the morning, knock on the door or the gate outside our, our, our place. And a woman shows up and she says, I, I really need some help. I wonder if you could give some financial help to us, to me. And so I say, okay, and I give her some money and talk to her for a while, and I help her. And I'm like, okay, one, that one, that's no big deal. Okay, and then a little bit after noon, another guy, old man comes to the gate, and, and he's like, I, I want to know if I could receive some financial help from you. And we were, we're not like living in some rich house, rich Americans. We're in this little house just like everybody else and and sure enough okay so i say okay i'll help you and i'm like okay two that's very unusual but it's not three so there's no way i'm preaching this sermon and goes into the evening and i'm like okay whew, i made it through this day only two people showed up and sure enough about seven or eight at night somebody's at the gate and it's a really old old woman and she wants me to show compassion to her and give to her and and i do i and that's three people. And no one else came that night. <laughs> and three people came and I was still very intimidated. I went to that church and I preached a sermon on giving and compassion and love in the midst of that crisis for them. And I don't know what God did with that sermon. I don't know what came of it. But for me, it was like, I can't not preach this sermon. Because I put this before God and he actually did this. God actually made this happen. And so it must be something important for me. Do you Have you over the years uh, put out those kind of tests for God Some, like that? Yeah, I do. And, and they're not I, – I hesitate talking about this because I think I've seen this abused in so many ways. I don't – one thing I, I don't do is I don't test God's reality. Like I said earlier, I don't test. If you do this, I'll know that you're really God. I don't, 
I feel like that would be way too presumptuous. And I always test only, I, I test if, if, if God wants something and not, I don't test it if, if, oh God, like, I don't know if we talked about this, Brad, but when I, I know we talked about it, but I don't know if we recorded it, that when I was really a young Christian, I wanted this sports car. It was a used sports car. It wasn't that much, but I'm like, God, I really want that sports car. And, uh, and if you give me that sports car, I'll put a, a bumper sticker on that, Lord, if I can get that sports car. <laughs> and it was that kind of thing where I'm serving myself and justifying it by God. And I got the sports car, never put a bumper sticker for Jesus or whatever on it. But it was kind of a selfish thing. And for me, the test, uh, fleecing or testing God is, it, it's more about what do you want God for me? How do you want me to serve you? And usually it puts me in a very hard and awkward place because I often have tested God when I don't want to do what I think God wants me to do. I do not want to do it. One particular story that comes to mind, this will really flesh this out, but I used to live at this community called Ronald Court. We talked about it when we talked about the Janus story. And we were six families living on this in this cul-de-sac in these duplexes. And we would meet uh, together on a weekly basis. I don't know if a, what night it was, a Monday or a Tuesday night. We would meet to, to sing together, to read the Bible, to hear a message or something. And we would meet every Tuesday night. Well, we all had kids. And so this was not like we were always coming to the Tuesday night thing. And actually there was kind of this joke going around the community that we never had a Tuesday night where everybody showed up. We're like, nah, knowing that we've never been here where everybody's been able to come because we're always got something going with our kids or something's going on. And so we meet, but we don't always, there's never a time when we're all there. Well, I was going through a really hard struggle. I won't share a lot of this because it's really personal to me, but I felt very much like I was deep in some doing some wrong things. I felt deep in sin, I would say. And, uh, and so I, I was kind of feeling very guilty about that. And as in my guilt, I felt like, how can I show the community that I love them, even though I'm such a, an evil person. And I just was really down on myself. And, 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 and I felt this voice inside me said, well, you can wash their feet. <laughs> Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. You could wash their feet and, and that would be a good humbling action of love for you to do to them. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm like, no, I God, I don't want to wash people's feet. That's embarrassing. That's I can't ah, forget that. And yet I kept feeling like that's what was needed or wanted. And so I said, okay, I don't know if this is from you or some weird compulsion that I have inside me, God. So we're, I'm going to put something before you. Uh, I will wash everybody's feet if we go to the meeting and everybody, every single person shows up to the meeting. That would be like the first time that's ever happened. And there's no way that's going to happen. So I feel like this is the wrong place for we got to be washing feet. So I'm not going to go into the wrong place and do that unless I really know that it's from you. You want it. And so I prayed that and came the night of the meeting. And I was so nervous. I brought all this stuff, a bowl and towels and I'm like, okay, I'll just bring it, but I won't have to use it. And I got to the meeting and people were coming in and there was not everybody there. And and I'm like, oh, good. This is great. Not everybody showed up and I, I'm not going to be washing feet tonight. Uh, Betty and Tom's not here. Yeah, I was so-and-so, right? I'm off the hook. And I think one person was not there. And so we're getting ready to start. We may have even started. Then right when we're we're just about started the last person walks in. everybody is here this has never happened why does this happen to me i was complaining to god and right when that person walked in and sat down somebody else in the meeting perked up and they said 
you know, this is the weirdest thing. We never have everybody here. This is the first time I think we've had every single adult at the meeting. Like as if, you know, I didn't. To remind you. Yeah, like I was digging in. You know, I would have somebody say this on top of everything. And so then I, I, my, my stomach tightened and I was really scared. And I'm like, but I knew, but I felt like, okay, God wants this. And so I went ahead and everybody's just looking at me. What are you doing? And. I just like, I think this is what God wants me to do. I went around and I washed every, there was 12 adults, maybe even 14. And uh, I went around and washed every single person's feet. And I was crying and it was really hard for me. But I, I felt like I had placed it before God. I had made it pretty tough on him to make this happen. And and it happened. And, and so for me, those are divine appointments. Those are times when God said, okay, I'll honor, I'll honor this fleece. I don't think every time I throw something out before God, like prove this or prove that, you know, I don't think God works that way. But these are times when God did work that way with me. I think they were hard for me. There were things I didn't want to do places I didn't want to be, but there were the right time for God to do that. I have lots of stories like that. And these are some of the better or ones that are coming to my mind right now. I think I'll share one more story. Brad, this is kind of where God used me to be speaking to somebody else in a weird way. And I didn't real I didn't realize it, but when we lived in San Francisco, uh, I was leading a Bible study that day on uh, simplicity, living a simple life, using your money for compassion and for love and for justice. And 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 I was talking to people how money gets a, a grip on us and it actually has an emotional attachment to us. And one of the things, uh, I'll probably get arrested for saying this on my podcast. I don't know why I'm saying this. One of the things I would do in, when I would teach on that, would I would take a $20 bill and would tell people, okay, I want you to think about your relationship with money, your emotional, spiritual relationship with money. And I would put the $20 bill in the middle of everybody and I would light it on fire and I would burn it. And it's amazing when that is happening how much emotion actually pours out of us. Because I, I do that because it's the best way to connect people with their relationship and history with money, that they think money is neutral. And in, in many, many ways, it is not neutral. It has very much a hold on us. Mm -hmm. And so I would burn. So this meeting, this Bible study, I went and I burned this $20 bill in front of everybody. And and I told them, write everything that comes into your mind and heart as you're, you're experiencing this. And it's great because afterwards you have a discussion and some people are pissed off. They're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You could have given that money some, what a waste. And other people are like, man, this reminded me when I was a kid and my parents used to do this with money and how they manipulated me. And it brings out all this great stuff to fodder for mm -hmm. talking. Mm -hmm. So I had this meeting in one of our houses in San Francisco. And then uh, I was going to walk the four blocks, five blocks to our, where we lived, the Petrero house from the Florida house. And uh, we ended the meeting and I started walking home. And I'm walking home thinking about what the, the teaching and all that stuff. And on the way home, I see uh, a homeless man who I had seen many times. Uh, he was severely mentally ill uh, and he would hang out on our block and he would often hang out across the street. We lived on a very busy street, six lanes, Petrero Avenue was very, very big, busy street. And he would often hang out on the other side of the street, just kind of rocking back and forth. And he was so dirty. His hair was matted. He had no shoes and he was, I don't know how he survived. I, I often was very moved to compassion with him. I did, I just, but one of the things with him is he would not make any relational contact with anybody that I saw. 
And when I would walk by him, I could, I would try to talk to him. I would try. He would not, he would just ignore me. He would not, it was like he was in a different world. And he would hang out under this kind of pine tree on the other side of the street. And, um, and this pine tree dropped pine cones uh, on the sidewalk and into the street. And so I ended up in my mind calling this guy pine cone because I never knew what his name was. And I thought he's like one of these pine cones that just dropped on the sidewalk and just sitting there or standing there. And I really feel compassion for him, Lord. And I was talking to God saying, I want to give to this guy. I don't know how to do it. I want to give him what he needs. And so, uh, and so I came, I hatched this idea. I said, Oh, I know what I can do. He's always looking for like cigarette butts and stuff in the street. I'll take some money, like a bunch of twenties or some, some tens or whatever, and I'll crumple them up like trash. And I'll, with, when he's not looking, I'll throw them on the street. I'll scatter them around. And so then when he later, I'll look out my window from the house and see if he comes and picks them up because, you know, he won't take it directly from me. And so maybe he'll see them and he'll actually get the benefit of this money. So I crumple, I take one out of my wallet and I'm crumpling up, I'm throwing it on the sidewalk of the street. And I'm like, okay, that's good. And I get to my house and I go inside, close the door. And I'm thinking, I'm praying, okay, good. Pinecone will finally receive some, some needed cash for food or whatever he does for food. <laughs> And uh, one of the participants in my Bible study was walking home about three blocks behind me. And uh, he had, his name was Luke, he had red hair, and he was really struggling over the teaching about money, he's struggling about it. And he's thinking, and I don't know about this, and he's thinking, wow, I, that's a hard teaching. I don't know. I don't think I agree with that. And this was your teaching? That was my teaching yes. he was struggling with. And so he's praying, God you got to show me if this is true, this teaching, because there's no way I'm going to follow this. I don't want to follow this, give my money away and be poor. And, and so he's struggling and praying, and he's walking along, and then he sees money laying, he's crumpled up, laying up. He's like, God, is this from you? Speak to me more. And, and then he finds more, and he's finding all these bills crumpled up. And he's like, and so he takes this as a sign from God that he should live more this way. And he he actually lived in our house because these huge rose houses. So he comes in the door, slams the door, and he says, praise the Lord. I can't <laughs> believe it. God's speaking to me. And he comes running into our living room. He's like, man, God spoke to me. I was praying about this. And he left all this money on the sidewalk of the street. So I would know that this is a sign for him to live this way. And I'm so happy. And I never told him. Never told I him. never told him what yeah. I did. So I intended it for one thing. And if you care to believe it, God used it for another thing. And so that's the freedom of God. You just can't pin him down. You can't say, oh, he, God's going to do this if I do that. or you know, sometimes I, I really get annoyed with, like, politicians or religious pastors who will say, oh, there was a there was a, a hurricane that destroyed this city. Well, that city must have been particularly sinful, or it was because of the sins, these sins that they were destroyed, and, and makes, you know, pronouncements about that thing. But maybe, who knows? You never know what God is doing with that kind of thing. Uh, you can't, I, I just feel like you can't do that. You can't particularly point out exactly how God's doing things, you know. And and so that was, for me, that was a powerful story. I'm like, okay, maybe Pinecone never got the money. Yeah. Maybe he never needed it. God just takes care of him anyway. I, I just felt so desperate for him. Yeah. And yet here, Luke, didn't need the money, but also ended up with some feeling like God moved my heart. And so each time is different. You know, uh, I don't actually, Brad, I don't really put out fleeces much anymore. I feel like you get, the older you get in faith, mm -hmm. the more you just, you know, God and you trust God and mm -hmm. you, you take out of his word and like don't need as much prodding and pushing to do the things that you think God wants. Uh, there's more of a maturity, I think, 
But but boy, being young, I I just was so lacking in self confidence and and spiritual confidence. Really felt a need to know this is what God wants. I don't want to do it otherwise. Well, even now, you know, you and I are in our sixties. Um, you know, you you say we may not need to do anything like fleecing or or, or asking God to show us whether or not he wants us to do something. I could see myself doing that. I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put it past that, that we're a possibility, even, right. even the older we get, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Because yeah, we still have a lot of work to do before we, before we're done. Yeah. And I, I think that's right. And I, 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 I enjoy it when it happens to me. Sometimes I think I know better than God, you know, and um, I, I'm going to tell one last story, just to get it out there. But yeah. This is kind of a fun, fun story about it. It's not so much about hearing from God, maybe as, I don't know, it's how God's sense of humor or something. But uh, back a few years, uh, Kelly and I were taking a vacation to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Um, I think it was one of our anniversaries. And so we had got a, a place there and we were going to go there. And before we went, I, uh, at my job, I had received a bonus. Uh, I think it was like $500 or something. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I want to give this to the poor. I want to give this bonus to the poor. And we're going to Mexico, so I'll, maybe I'll get an opportunity. And I I was, I guess I, I should have told Kelly about the money, but I didn't. And because uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, I just thought, oh, I'll give this, it's extra. And so we go to Mexico and I'm bringing this $500 in cash. And, I'm, and we go to Mexico, fly to Puerto Vallarta. And I'm like praying, God, show me, I want to give this to a specific poor person that's really in need or a family. I really want to focus this in on who you want to have it. And so we get out of the airport in Puerto Vallarta, and there's this bridge that you walk across this busy road. It's up above. And we walk across the bridge, and there's this old woman begging there. And I'm like, no, can't be the first person. I can't, you know, there's no way this is what God wants. And she begs her all the, must beg her all the time. And she's blind. And, but I know this isn't the one that God wants me to give the money to. And so we cross over. I, I <coughs> ignore, you know, kind of walk by her. And we walk by her. And I we spend the whole week in Puerto Vallarta going around. And, and I take a few mornings and afternoons just to walk by myself in some of the poor neighborhoods, praying, God, show me who who deserves this money, who want, who you want to have this money. And I'm not running into anybody. I'm not finding anybody. The whole week goes by and we end up back at the airport. And I'm like, wow, I wanted to give this money to the poor. And I didn't, I was so busy looking for this specific person. I didn't do it. And now I'm taking it back to the United States. I'm in the airport getting ready to get on the plane. We have about a half hour left. And then I think about this woman on the bridge. And I wonder if she's still there. Oh, this is a, that's a long run. You, you may not get back for your plane, but I should do it because I don't <laughs> want to take this money. Oh, I want to give it to them. And so I tell Kelly, uh, this is not real great, but I said to her, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And so I walk toward the bathroom. I get around a corner and I take off running. I'm running through the entire airport. I'm like, Kelly's going to kill me if I don't get back. And I'm running and running. And I get outside because you have to actually go outside the airport. I get outside the airport. I run up. I run up the stairs to the bridge. And I get to the bridge. And I get up there. And sure enough, here's this old blind woman. She's there. Still begging. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And one thing I do, Brad, this is kind of comedic to me, is Jesus says when you when you give someone food or shelter or you care for someone who's sick or visit someone in prison, you're giving to me. You know, Jesus says it's me you're you're caring for. And and so I imagine the people I give to, I often imagine them as Jesus. And so I'm thinking that see this old woman who's blind and I seeing Jesus sitting there asking for this, you know, alms. 
And so I walk up to her and, and I know there's some issues sometimes with beggars that have people watching them that gets, they, they rob them. Or sometimes they have like a, I've talked about this before, like a pimp who, who takes a share of the money. And so I go, I'm looking around, I don't see anybody. And I walk up to her and I bend down to her and I say, I whisper to her in Spanish, I want to give you some money, but it's a lot of money. So you need to be very careful with this. And so I reach in and I pull out the $500 and I give it to her. And I'm still thinking, this is Jesus. And so Jesus takes the money from me. And he pulls back his bra and he stuffs it down <laughs> in his bra and kind of sneakily puts it. And I laugh, so, not out loud, I laugh inside so hard because I'm like, Jesus, stuffing the money in your bra this time, you know. But it was, uh, it was such a joy to give to her. And then, and then I'm like, I got like 15 minutes before we have to get on the plane. And so I run back and I run through the entire airport and I get back and Kelly's like, and I breathe a little hard. She's like, you were in the bathroom a long time. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Stomach's not good. Did you ever tell her? I did tell her. I told her later. I told her later on. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's kind of one of those funny things like just can't pin God down. God's not going to – once you think, ah, oh, I know how God works, he's, he's going to work a different way. You know, there's a great movie out. And I'll just end with this, Brad, that I don't know if you've seen it. It's an old movie from the 60s. No, 80s, sorry. And it's uh, it's called Frisco Kid. And Gene Wilder's in it. And there's this scene where there, Gene Wilder's this Jewish rabbi traveling across the United States with a cowboy. And they get captured by Indians. And they're in the, they're in the tent of the Indians and the, and the chief is like this really intelligent chief. And he's like, we haven't had rain in so long. We're doing the rain dance. We're trying to get rain. And he says, why? Do, and he says to Gene Wilder, who's the Frisco, uh, who is the Jewish rabbi, he says, why don't you pray for rain? And, and he says, no. And so Gene Wilder said, well, God doesn't operate that way. You, you don't just pray for rain and he gives you rain. We Jews know you just you can't pin God down. And then right when he says that lightning, uh, the thunder makes a noise and lightning comes, you know, and, and, and it starts pouring rain. And then Gene Wilder says, well, and then again, God just changes his mind. He does whatever he wants. I, I'm not quoting exactly, yeah, but yeah. you should see that movie. It's very, very funny and really, I really like it. Yeah, that's a perfect example, though, right? Yeah, and so sometimes there are times when I pray and I hear nothing. I hear nothing from God, and or, and maybe it's me just not listening well. Other times I feel like I'm not listening that well, but God still, there's something still communicated to me, something that changes who I am, who builds my character, who makes me more of a person like Jesus. It's not something that makes my life better and not something that makes me richer or more prosperous or more powerful, but it's something that makes me more like the Jesus that went to the cross. And, and that's, I think that's for me what it means to have a divine coincidence or with God. So one last one last thought, what you just said was makes me more like Jesus who went to the cross. Um, explain what you mean by that. I think most of the things that I've uh, I've listened and heard from God or asked God to speak to me have to do with my humility, with my discomfort, with me laying down my life for others. And mo most of the time, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's the wrong place. I look at it and think, for me, it, who lacks confidence and emotional ability to do these things, I don't want to do that, God. I don't want to be there. I don't want to help that person. I don't want to say those things. That's the wrong place for me. And when God a answers or shows me that he wants me to be 
that's his timing. It's like, no, Dan, it's the wrong place, but it's the right time for you. And so for me, I think that's what that means. Yeah. And and I also heard in that, um, that, you know, Jesus himself, before he did go down that road, asked God to deliver him to that. Yeah. He asked that this, this cup would depart from him. Yes. And, um, and it didn't. And, uh, you know, even God's own son didn't want to do what he knew God was asking him to. Exactly. That's and, really and, and, good. And it, and it still happened. He still, he still went to his death. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's an excellent point, Brad. Yeah. That is, that's fantastic. That's, that says it all. Right? Good stories, Dan. Have a great week, Brad. Uh, I, I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful that you're a partner in this and a good friend.